You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. How are you investing your time? That's uh, the topic today because we're in a series right now called Margin. And how many, raise your hand if you could use, if, if you wish that God created not 24 hours, but 28 hours a day for us. Yeah, most of us do, especially in our society today in the 21st century, 22nd century, whatever it is, I don't know. Um, but we, uh, we, we, we just want this whole idea of time. We never feel like we accomplish everything, A, that we want to do, or B, that is expected of us. And then what about the time for ourselves? So we are in this series called Margin, and if you are just joining us, um, this is the third week of our, our series. If you want to listen to the first two, where we talked about emotional margin, we talked about physical margin last week, that was all about health and, and, and taking, making sure that you're, you're watching the gift of the body that God has given to you. Um, and today we are going to be talking about this issue of time. Now, if you are just joining us, we're talking about also this word name called margin. And the very first week we said that margin is that space between being healthy and balanced and being sick and out of control. And we've all lived on both sides of that, especially if you were younger. If you can remember your younger days, even high school, maybe junior high, maybe even earlier, you know that most of the time, yes, you had to go to school, but you had playtime, and it was fun. You felt more healthy and balanced. But as we grow, pressures of life, responsibilities pour in on us, and we do not watch our time very well. We don't watch that margin space very well. Margin, being marginless is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the hairdressers because you were 10 minutes late dropping off the kids at school because the car ran out of gas two blocks from the gas station, and you forgot your wallet. Anybody relate to that? Everything piles up when we are out, when we don't have any margin in our life. So we are talking today about this issue of time and what God has given to us uh, in terms of time. Time is something that we all want more of because we always seem to run out of it, right? Time is money. Time for a change. I'm running out of time. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. And unlike the Rolling Stones, how they sang, time is not on our side, it feels like. Because we've never really learned to build margin into the 24 hours that is a gift to you from God. Your 24 hours that God has given is a gift. So how do we use our time uh, that... Um, that, that God has given to us directly affects your relationship with yourself and your relationship with other people. And it also really even kind of affects the way, which we'll talk about in a second, the way your relationship with the Lord. Now, you have to understand that God has saved you because of Jesus, not because of what you have done, but the relationship you have with the God of the universe is all given to you by Jesus. So now we're in this beautiful walking relationship with him. But if we squeeze out time, it seems that God always gets the short end of the stick. And we'll talk about that in a second. So again, time is a divine gift. Third day of creation, God divided the hours and gave us basically the calendar. Um, so our time is given to us by God 
as a gift. So, um, as I was kind of thinking about this message and preparing this message when I was in the beaches of Puerto Vallarta last weekend, um, uh, and then caught a cold on the way home, so that makes up for it. But as I was thinking about this message, I was trying to think of how to talk about this in a way that really would impact everybody. And those of you who know, I do speaking and stuff outside with business leaders and, and coaches, and, and I have a productivity 101 kind of thing. And if you want that, a, a cheat sheet that I can give you, just email me. But I decided not to do that. I didn't want this time that we have together to be just some sort of seminar on time management and, and all of that. You've been to all of those if, if you're in the business world. You've, you've seen all those. But I want to give you some overarching principles that we see from the, the Bible, from, from what God has given to us, that I think will af- apply to you, whether you're an adult, whether you're a student, whatever age group you are. And if you apply these principles or at least keep them as a mindset, I think that the margin that, that you're desiring in your time will, will, over time, build so that you'll be able to feel better about life. You won't feel so hurried and rushed and busy, and that God could use you even more. So, um, as you came in, inside the bulletin, there should be a, a half sheet of paper that's a, a handout. This is a really old way that I used to preach when I first got out of seminary with the fill-in-the-blanks. I know some of you have been at churches uh, that that did this, and so I thought for this series, each week has one of these sheets. You could take this out, and as we go through, you can fill in the blanks, make uh, any extra notes. Um, So this could be for yourself. It could be for somebody that you're like, oh, man, I wish my brother Joe were here. He really needs to hear this. So you can use this as a tool for them as well um, to, uh, to maybe help them in terms of what God says about time margin. So... The key question we're asking is, how do we build more margin in the 24 hours that God has given to us? And we're going to take a look at what Jesus did, because obviously Jesus is the ultimate example uh, for for all of life, um, and even in the whole idea of time or priority management. So we'll just jump right in. Um, I'm clicking on my teacher hat mode now. So um, so the question is, how do I build in more time or margin into my time? The first one is this. Uh, I can reclaim my priorities. That's the very first thing that you and I need to do is reclaim what priorities I have in life. In uh, Matthew verse 6, um, Jesus gives us just one piece uh, of, of this idea of reclaiming our priorities. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then... All these things will be given to you as well. So if you get the idea that, okay, God, first of all, 24 hours is my gift that God has given to me, and I'm going to first just dedicate that whole block of time and let him filter all the rest of the priorities and the time management piece out, um, everything else will work out uh, at, at the end. Um, therefore, he says, once you do that, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, How many of you are kind of worrying right now about tomorrow? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If you're taking notes, underline that phrase. It says, seek first his kingdom. When we talk about reclaiming time margin, we're talking about reclaiming the priority of thinking about who, who God is in our life first. Always having that as the first thought when we first 
wake up, dedicating our 24 hours or our 18 hours that we're awake, whatever it is, to the Lord and just saying, God, help me work through this day. Um, we, make, we make the Lord our priority. The word priority is a Latin word um, from pretis, which means first. So the Lord is our first priority um, in, our, in our life as we look at time as well. Um, I'm going to say something that may be offensive to you, um, especially those of you kind of like me who are a little bit like an A-type personality. Um, So hopefully you won't be offended, but encouraged. So um, God says that filling up your schedule to the point of having no time left in the day is a sin. Having a full schedule is not a badge of honor. It is actually, from God's perspective, a sin. And let me tell you why. Because if we are too busy to engage, if we're too busy with the tasks of the day, if we're too busy to engage in any kind of connection with God or serve Him or, or be, be in a relationship with Him, and your, your schedule is so packed that at the, you, the last thing you could do at the very end of the day, oh, yeah, dear Lord, thank you. you say your prayers at the end and you hit the bed and you're asleep before you hit the pillow. That is a sin because all of your other, you're, you're prioritizing everything else about life above God, okay? And God says that that is idolatry. Anything you put first in your life ahead of the Lord is sin, okay? Even if it's your family, your job, your health, your, the, you know, everything of, of the, in, in your day, which can be, they're good things. But God still says, love me first. Put me as a priority. Now, he doesn't say that means you should quit your job and just come and live here at church, you know, become a, um, you know, live in a monastery or anything. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, God says, have the mindset of me first and give your 24 hours that I've first given to you, give them back to me and allow me to shape them and form them. Proverbs 16, write that down on your sheet. Um, It's a great uh, book of the Bible that talks all about planning and talks about time and talks, um, one of the verses in there um, is, uh, uh, in his mind, a person makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. God is the one who is directing everything about your life. Um, And so he says, make time, make me your priority That's why he put it as one of the top in the commandments. It's the third commandment, right? Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, separate it for the purpose of worshiping God. Um, It's interesting that I think back on 9-11, that Tuesday, I believe that was a Tuesday, um, 9-11-2001, that next Wednesday, none of the churches in America were prepared for what happened. We were, I was working at Woodbury Lutheran at that time, and we were so full. People were sitting outside down the hall. Both of our, we had two sanctuaries. Both of them were packed. We had no, I ran out of bulletins and community, everything was gone. Um, because people at that point in the midst of tragedy sought God. What happened next, the week after, we were right back down to normal. It was, God at that point was a priority of my time just for that Sunday. Okay, I feel better. I'll put him back in the shelf until I really need him again. That's not, what, that's not 
what God wants for us, for you, for me. We make God a priority um, in our life. Um, many of us, um, many of us have kind of slipped into what actually this happened in the Bible to not gathering together consistently as a body of believers. Worship life is important. It's important. If you're, you know, I don't want to belay this, but over the last five years, the, we now are seeing that in American churches, um, it's different in Europe, but in American churches, what's considered regular worship for someone is 1.6 times a month. That now is the gauge that all of the, the consultants are using, 1.6 times a month to worship the God of the universe who gave his son to die for you so you can have eternal life. I'm just, first of the year, if you're, we have to get back, church, to a regular, consistent plan of worshiping and spending time together as a body. That's priority. That priority, if it's down low on your list, should be way, way up top. Um, and again, I know the sports thing comes into play and the music thing comes into play, and I'm not, I think that's awesome. I think if, if, a, if your kid's in sports, it's awesome. Just balance that out. How does that look like in your family if you have to be away for a weekend um, from worship? Maybe our Wednesday night is an, another option where you can gather together with the body of Christ. It's so, so important. Um, God says, first and foremost, walk this life with Jesus and then also kind of keep the first place, you know, kind of to start to reclaim these things in terms of time margin are the three Fs. And you know these, faith, family, and friends. That's on your sheet, too, if you're filling it out. Put these first. Put God first, then your family and the needs and the priorities and, and your love for them second. Um, and then friends or fellowship, that could also be um, here at church. Uh, okay, so that's the first one. Second one. Second one is this, on how to establish time margin. Um, use the word no. Everybody on the count of three, say the word no. Ready? One, two, three. No. You're supposed to say no. I'm not going to say the word no. But you have to practice that. We in our society, I, I, more people are easily, um, e more easily say yes than no. Because we don't want to offend. We don't want to hurt, Right? Being able to say a loving no is not a sign of weakness, but of strength. Jesus constantly had to say no, not only to his enemies, but also to his disciples. His whole ministry, he was always being pushed, he was always pushing back expectations. Jesus, come to my house, come and heal this person, come and do this, come and jump off the top of the temple. Jesus says, no. You ever feel like those pressures are, are coming down on you all the time? You know, maybe... You know, a, a kid comes to you, and your child comes to you, and not any random kid, your kid comes to you and says, I need my soccer outfit washed. The game starts in a half hour, right? Or the deadline's coming up. This presentation needs more charts, you know, and, and we just, all these expectations come uh, at us, and we end up taking those expectations before we take our own needs, and what we want to be healthy. We talked about this the last two weeks, too. And yes, there are deadlines and things we have to do, but how many of you are doing so many things because you were afraid to say no? You just said no. 
Um, before the service, uh, I, I had asked somebody to, to do something as, as part of the worship service. And um, this person just kind of graciously stood back, and it's a perfect illustration. I know you're here listening, and we're both laughing right now. But he, he stepped back, and he goes, no, I'll leave that for you. And I was like, what? I didn't say that. But I was just, it just, it, you have to create your boundaries by saying no. Many of you know my, my sons. You guys are in trouble because I have a cold and I'm tired, and so we're just going to talk all day. So, um, many of you know my son's in a band, and one of the, somebody asked them as they, were, um, as they were growing in popularity, what is the secret of your success? And all of them said, we said no to everything. There was a big push for them to be a, um, a, a cover band. There was a big push for them to, be, to do all these kinds of styles of music. They gave up literally $100,000 contracts because the contract would have made them into something they weren't. They said no. They said no. And because of that, they are now, you know, where, where they are, if you know my son's band. Um, we have to say no. I love what Jesus says, too, um, that as you do, you won't have to worry about your life. Uh, Matthew 6, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or your, about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't reap or, or they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? If you say no and you hurt somebody's feelings, don't worry about it, especially if it's the right no. Bob Merritt from Eagle Brook um, uh, said recently uh, in a sermon, he said, um, he said, behind every no is a more beautiful yes. Isn't that great? Behind every no you say opens up the door for a more beautiful yes. Um, one of, several years ago, I went to a, uh, was on a mission trip to Dominican Republic, and we were walking through the streets, and we went into this little shop, and there was a guy named Tony there in Dominican Republic. And we started talking to him, and he had perfect English, just perfect English, and got to know his story. And basically, his story was is that he... Uh, was born in the Dominican, uh, grew up there basically up until the high school, and then wanted to see the big life of America. So he went through the process, became an American citizen later on, obviously, lived here for several years, couldn't take it. He said the pace of life was so horrific. And he lived all over the country, didn't matter where. It was so busy, and the expectations were phenomenal. So at the age of 45, he moved his whole family back to Dominican and opened up this little grocery store. And he's the, he said, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I don't, have, I don't have a quarter of what I had in America, but I'm the happiest I've ever been because my pace of life is, is what it should be because he said no. Okay. Claim your priorities. You can say no. Third way is this. Pursue solitude. Um, Jesus, you know, did this, Luke 5, yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of sicknesses. I mean, imagine that, just people going, just crowding in on him. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Solitude is, is a more traditional practice to cure hu- hurriedness and sickness. Jesus was never hurried. 
He was busy, but he was never hurried. He created margin in his life in terms of time so that he could pull away and he could reconnect with his heavenly Father. I love this. Uh, John Barrymore says this. In Genesis, it says that it is not good for a man to be alone, but sometimes it's a great relief. <laughs> I like that. Getting away by yourself, and God, again, it's part of the 24 hours that God's given you, getting away by yourself for a few days. Now, for some of you, it's like, no, I need people. Um, others of you, is like, I can't stand people. This is going to be great. Um, bring a Bible, a book, fishing gear, hiking boots, whatever you do, but you pull away in solitude. And those of you who've heard me talk about solitude outside of the the church world, um, there's a phrase that I use all the time, and it's this, divert daily, withdraw weekly, move away monthly, and abandon annually. If you were, if this is kind of a how-to kind of thing, If if you were to craft your year this way, you will feel more relaxed in terms of your time. You'll actually have more margin. So divert daily is basically divert yourself from what you regularly do for the day. So if you're working eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, divert yourself from that at some, for the rest, you know, at some point. You, you stop working, basically. So, so I have to tell some of my staff that because they're so dedicated. I'm like, stop working, go home. <laughs> divert daily. Um, withdraw weekly means take your days off. I'm horrible at this. I, I'm absolutely horrible because I have a laptop. That's my office. And I think I, would, I think I would need counseling if I, had to, if I left my laptop at church or work. Because I, I, I love what I do. I love the work. But I have to carve out at least 24 hours or whatever your day off. Uh, that's the withdraw weekly. Move away monthly means get out of the, your, your visible area. So get out of Hudson. Even if it's going to Stillwater and having coffee over there, even if it's going into the cities and doing something different, you have to do that at least once a month for half a day. Abandon annually is getting away on your vacation. You know, again, it's not a badge of honor to say, I've never taken a vacation in five years. That's not a, that tells me that you're going to burn out or that you are burnt out. Um, so abandon annually. Make sure that that's in place. Okay, finally is this. Um, I, can expect to sh- uh, I can expect the unexpected. When you have margin, great things happen. When you have time margin, great. Th- when you're sitting in a coffee shop and you have nothing to do for three or four hours of the day, you know, it's amazing what God does. It's amazing the people that God brings toward you. Um, this is actually the result of good biblical use of time. Uh, Luke 7, I love this story. Uh, Jesus went to this town called Nain, uh, and his disciples and a a large crowd went with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A, prophet, a great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. Can you imagine if Jesus walking into the city and he sees this dead person, and typically what they do is they, they stand to the side and let the, the thing go, the procession go through. He stood right in the middle of the road. Can you imagine if he's like, yeah, you know what? My Apple Watch is ringing. I haven't closed my circles yet. I got to keep moving. 
you know, and, and didn't heal. Can you imagine if Jesus was too busy for that miracle? God says, build that margin so that in that margin, I can do great things through you. He keeps on, God keeps on saying he, this, that he doesn't necessarily, and you've heard this phrase, he doesn't necessarily want our ability, but he wants our availability. Are you available to work or to be available for God in your family, in your home, in your work? Do you have time margin in your life or are you constantly running defense instead of offense? When a paradigm shift takes place and you see that the time you've been given is a gift, all your questions really kind of fade away in terms of how am I going to manage that gift? And so I want to close with this. Some of you are going to react to this message saying, well, my schedule is my business. And maybe your schedule is your busyness. Maybe you'll walk away from here and not make any change in your life at all in terms of priorities or, or solitude or at least thinking and looking more intentionally about getting a grip on your schedule. But the kind of life that is truly fulfilling doesn't come from filling up your schedule. It comes from a relationship with God and giving our time to Him so that He can filter that through our day. Ultimately, it comes from taking the time to receive and, exp and experience His love that comes from Jesus. Can you imagine if Jesus, if God said to Jesus in their weekly meeting, hey, you know this week, you know, it's Palm Sunday today, I, I think maybe this Friday, you should probably go to the cross and die. And then don't worry, I'll raise you up on the third day, but you know, this, this Friday, I think I'm going to add that to your schedule, Jesus. And what if Jesus said, you know what, I'm meeting with clients. I, I can't do it. Not really. But Jesus pushed away history for you. He pushed everything aside for you. And the, in response to that, then, we can give our time to Him. So as we go into this new year, 2018, I just pray that you take this seriously about margin, whether it's physical margin, emotional margin, um, or today, time margin, and really be intentional about thinking about how can I be better this year. And if you need my help, like I offered last, last week on the video, if you need my help, you know, let me know. Let's, let's meet for coffee and you can pay. And, um, and I'd love to talk that through with you, okay? So let's stand to pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, a time to get, to get together and to worship and to pray to you, a time to receive uh, the Lord's Supper, God, for the forgiveness of our sins. And Lord, as we all struggle with squeezing in more and more activity into our lives, we ask you to show us how to reclaim our priorities. Help us to say no and pursue solitude so that we can expect you to work unexpectedly through us. God, thank you for the gift of time. Thank you for your arms of love that wrap around us in Jesus' name. And all of us said together, amen.